Welcome back to the 411 Podcasting Network. I am your host, Larry Zonka, and this is episode 70 of the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, any major podcasting platform, and of course the 411mania.com website. Please make sure to subscribe to our show, share us around with all your friends and on social media, and if you have time, leave us a five-star review on iTunes and any other uh, platform you are using. Uh, joining me today, as usual, is my co-host, Jeremy Lambert. Jeremy, how are you this evening, sir? I am doing well. Share us around like we're whores. Well, I mean, you know, if you if you read the comments, apparently I'm getting that Tony <laughs> Khan money, so... Yeah, where... Why do I not get this Tony Khan money? You're not... You're holding out on me, and I'm kind of pissed about it. Trust me, brother. If I was getting t- uh, Tony Khan money or sweet Saudi money, you would have saw it by now. <laughs> I am not greedy. Uh, well, if if you're getting it, uh, I I need it. So yeah, I know I need it too. But well, what are you gonna do? But uh, yeah, we're here. It's the normal uh, Wednesday night, Thursday early morning show covering AEW Dynamite NXT TV this week for November twenty seventh of two thousand nineteen. Jeremy, we start off with AEW Dynamite. From Chicago this evening, and we started off with the celebration of Le Champion, Chris Jericho. Uh, this is the first time they started off the show with a promo like segment. Uh, we had, let's see, we had a marching band, inflatables, a giant uh, gift in the ring, and Soul Train Jones hosting the event. Yeah, the legend of Soul Train Jones. If you smartly read the oral history of Soul Train Jones, you would have known that this appearance was going to happen. I had this scoop before anybody else, so I knew this was coming. Still very excited to see it. Always happy to see the absolute legend Soul Train Jones. So Le Champion arrived to the ring. Um, he He had a little bit of the bubble with him. He got a big thank you Jericho chant, and he told the crowd to shut up. This is his time. It's his celebration, and he didn't want the idiots in the crowd to mess it up for him. He wants thank yous from the people that matter. Uh, says there are coupons planted in the crowd under their seats, and if you look, you may get 50 cents off of a Chris Jericho t-shirt. I mean, what a generous man, Jeremy. <laughs> uh, this rule, Jericho, 50 cent off the, the t-shirt. Apparently, the little bit of the bubble stuff is... 100% real, you know, you can, uh, you can get that. It's, it's on sale now. It's a limited edition, so you can't get too much of it. You know, it'll probably go fast, but they, they capitalized on that shit in a big way. That's right. And he did announce on live television that you can buy a little bit of the bubbly at little bit of the bubbly.com. And that is legit. So uh, yeah, Jer- they sent out a press. <laughs> it's not only legit; like they sent out a press release for this. Hey, God bless them if they make some fucking money, dude. I mean, that's what it's all about. It's like th- <laughs> that fucker said that made a T-shirt and they sold out that shit. They went on TV. He hyped Inner Circle T-shirts. They shut down the the website. It's like, hey, Jericho knows how to make money. So he and Soul Train shared a toast of the bubbly. Uh, he brought out his friends, uh, his best friends in the world, the Inner Circle. Santana, Ortiz, and Guevara arrived. 
Guevara praised Jericho as a father figure. He thanked him for everything he did. And he presented Jericho with a present, which was a giant stand-up of the two hugging. And looking like the biggest douchebags in the world. It was spectacular. <laughs> Santana and Ortiz had a gift basket for him, which had such things as rub, flip-flops, and a little bit of the 40. And then presented him with an official... Puerto Rican headband to make him an official Bariqua. And it was just... this was this was great. The the uh, the Puerto Rican tie ins there, the flip flops, which can also be used a as a weapon. Yeah. Um, yeah, a little bit of the 40. And they made him the Bariqua. Even the Guevara stuff was good. This this was good. Uh, Jericho questioned where uh, Jake Hagar was and Hagar arrived kind of coming through the back and he had a goat with him, which was apparently named Chris Jerigoat. It's As like, it should be named Chris Jerigoat. <laughs> it's like when you think it can't get better, it does. But like, Jericho then yeah. questioned what was in the giant gift in the ring. They opened the box and it was Chris Jericho's father, the famous New York Rangers <laughs> hockey player. Uh, Ted Irvine said he was happy to be back in New York City and he, of course, got booed because... Chris had to inform him that they were in Chicago. Uh, the fans cheered for the Blackhawks. Ted buried the team, buried Bobby Hall, said the Blackhawks were always wimps. And then he gave custom jerseys to the inner circle. Jericho said Le Champion. Sammy said Spanish God. The uh, Santana and Ortizas said like Ruffian and Hoodlum. I mean, <laughs> it was good. Uh, this... It had their it had their nicknames from the from the Jericho parody video. So, um, yeah, they they had they they looked like some cheap ass New York Rangers jerseys. Though I figured Irvine could get them some authentic uh, authentic stuff there. Well, maybe Ted was going cheap because Jericho isn't sharing all that merch money with him. I guess, but the Ted Irvine stuff was good. And I'm always like bury the Blackhawks. I'm I'm fine with that. Um, exactly. The, my my favorite hockey team is a rivalry with them. So yeah, bury them. So, Jericho had a uh, official statement from TNT and the AEW officials. Brought Justin Roberts in the ring, who's local to the Chicago area. They played that up. Roberts read the big thank you statement, which put over Jericho's his work as a champion and all that stuff. But Jericho did not appreciate how Roberts read the message, slapped him. The inner circle beat the shit out of him. And um, Excalibur on commentary blurts out, Who beats up somebody in their hometown? Which I <laughs> laughed at. The marching band then made the save, and it was revealed that it was SCU in disguise, and they stood tall. Um, yeah, the first time AEW opened with an interview segment, it was it was hilarious and ridiculous and over the top in all the right ways, and it added to the build for Jericho versus Sky later in the night. I I liked the majority of it. I will say it got a little long with the mm -hmm. Justin Roberts beatdown, and you could clearly see Jericho looking up at the top of the ramp waiting for SCU to, to come down. So I don't know if it was a miscue or what it was, but it was, that part was very telegraphed. I also, how do you beat up Justin Roberts and don't choke them with the tie? Yeah. I was, how, I was like, waiting for them to do that. They, they took the tie off. We all saw it. They, they didn't like we saw him take the tie off. They could have even like, you know, held it up and, and mimicked something like it, we know 
we know it's a WWE callback, but they do plenty of WWE callbacks. Like they Jericho referenced the, especially Jericho, the the We the People reference last week was the a reference with uh, him and Owens with with the Roman Reigns stuff. Um, the the same time deal this week was very festival friendship vibes. Like Jericho does these references, so how do you not do the the Justin Roberts tie reference here? Yeah, I, I was waiting for it. It just, uh, it did not happen. I don't know why they didn't do it. I don't really care either way, but I figured they were going to do it because it looked like it. But, uh, so we were going to the ring for our first match, which was uh, Best Friends and Lucha Bros. Orange Cassidy and the Best uh, Friends were heading to the ring. The Lucha Brothers attacked them in the entrance. They all fought. Orange Cassidy, in a turkey outfit, hit a high cross on the top to wipe them out, which led to Jim Ross referencing WKRP in Cincinnati in the famous turkey episode, and Excalibur asked if they were going for that coveted over-50 demo. (laughs) Uh, I don't know why Jim Ross referenced this. I don't know. This was either really good thinking on his feet by Excalibur, or... They they planned it, in which case, cool. Like it, it's a it's a good it's a good uh, back and forth line to plan. I'm willing to bet it was more Jim Ross trying to make an obscure reference that no one got, and Excalibur bailed him out with a a timely reference that wrestling fans did get. Yeah, I, I did laugh at the over fifty demo jab. That was funny. Um, so uh, Justin Roberts was dead for the rest of the night. So uh, the super fine Dasha Gonzalez uh, replaced him on ring announcing for the rest of the evening. Uh, a small detail I appreciate it because the ring announcer is not a wrestler. If he gets his ass beat, he shouldn't be back the rest of the night. You know, D- hey, I mean WWE does that. Dio Madden's been out fifteen. I, that's weeks what I was now. gonna say. Dio got F five through an announce table, and he's officially dead. I think. Dio was at least a wrestler. He wrestled. He was yeah. wrestling NXT matches like a month ago, and then now all of a sudden, one f five through a table, and we we don't know if this man is still alive. I hope he has a good Thanksgiving if he's still around. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, the best friends. This was set up uh, from AEW Dark, where Trent beat Pentagon. The best friends ended up uh, beating the Lucha Bros as Trent hit the Dude Buster on Phoenix for the win. Uh, went eight minutes via pin. I thought it was a good opening match. Trent picking up another big win. There's been rumors that they may do some single stuff with him and the Lucha Bros. And maybe transition best friends to more of Chuck and Orange Cassidy. Which, um, again, I think I think we both agree. We've talked about it several times. Lucha Bros have much more. I mean, they're a great tag team, but I think they both have much more upside as singles. And this is also setting up uh, Trent versus Phoenix in a singles for next week. So your thoughts, sir? Yeah, um, I thought I thought it was good. It was a little clunky at first, and I blame the Lucha Bros wrestling in, their in yeah, in their hoodies. Um, tough to wrestle in a hoodie, I would imagine. So no, a little, no, little Naito, clunky. Naito did it for a whole ROH tour, man. <laughs> yeah, because Naito didn't give a fuck. I'm sure. Naito's like, yeah, y'all ain't paying me enough to shit. I don't know if he got paid, honestly. He's like, y'all ain't paying me enough. Y'all didn't arrange my travel or nothing. So this is what you're getting. You're getting hoodie Naito. Um, 
Yeah, a little clunky. Pentagon is still a goof getting distracted, and then he gets hit with the the senton or the the cannonball by by Chucky e. T. Uh, best friends winning, definitely a surprise. The 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 Lucha Bros were number one in the rankings. It was a bad night to be number one, as we kind of found out throughout the night. But yeah, definitely a surprise, and they're doing something with the best friends. That that private party win was big, and now they follow that up here so we'll we'll see where it goes with them it my one complaint and and this is kind of what we talked about last week with um proud and powerful losing to to private party and you know we've seen pack pack take some losses these records are gonna start looking just very 500 for everybody and when you're gonna display the records like that i don't know if that's really what you want to kind of come across yeah, um, yeah. Like we talked again, we kind of harped on it last week. I, I have some problems with how they're doing some of the uh, wins, and I know there's people out there that are like, "Whoa, it's like real sports," and sometimes there's parody, and sometimes there's upsets, and yeah, that's fine. But you also still need to be building up stars. Uh, and yeah, and real sports, you still have dominant teams. And well, look, at, look at the NFC. You know, like, like <laughs> there's like six teams at like nine and one or like nine and two or some shit. Yeah, there's dominant teams, and there needs to be dominant guys and stars. So in that case, like, do more squash matches. We'll we'll get to it in a bit. But like, did you need to do a Moxley and Pack rematch right here, and then just give Omega or not Moxley Omega, and Pack yeah. Omega and Pack rematch, and then you just give Omega his win back? The the same complaint I had with uh, Hangman and Pack. Yep. Like, did you need to do that immediately just to give Pack his win back? Like, why? couldn't pack just stay undefeated so yeah the, this record thing might be an issue i know they reset in january which that doesn't really give us a ton of time to figure it out but next season they're at the beginning of january it's gonna yeah might be a little bit of an issue when we start seeing everybody with 500 records yeah um so again it's a, you have to be careful how you do it and i you know sometimes upsets are great but again they have to be done at the right time with the right people uh, moved on. We had women's tag team action. B Priestley and Emmy. Wait, real quickly, real quickly, sorry, real quickly. Oh, I mean, I didn't mean to sound mean on that. It's all right. I don't know why they put this Marco Martinez guy on commentary, but oh my god, was that just the most second-rate bullshit? This guy, no offense to him, sure he's a nice guy. He added nothing. He was terrible. It was, it was worse than Alex Marvez. Think about that, everybody. That's pretty bad. Worse than Alex Marvez. Yeah, um, I, Tony Khan needs to hit up his dad for an allowance raise and buy out whatever contract Tony Schiavone's working on for his real <laughs> sports stuff, so Tony never has to leave again. Or just, you know, don't throw this guy out there. Like, yeah. he it didn't, like, he's part of the elite fleet, whatever the hell that is. Like, what does he add? He clearly added nothing, but it just, it, it just felt so low rent. He may have and added less he, than nothing, actually. Yeah, he, he detracted from things because it was like, oh, this guy's still out here. Like, it just came across so low rent. Don't. 
don't do that. You know, if it's a wrestler out there who like Britt Baker, when she was out there, like she wasn't great, but okay. She's one of the faces of the company. If you're going to put a wrestler out there, fine. You don't need to shoehorn some elite fleet guy on commentary. And it just completely detract and and make you come across as just totally out there. Sure. Anybody or nobody, anybody else or nobody. This was just, Ooh, the, the, it was rough. And I felt bad for the guy because he clearly didn't know what he was doing. But th- this is on AEW. Don't put this guy out there. Definitely. I agree. I was I, I didn't think much of it. I didn't like it, but I was just not thinking of it when we were going through that. So good point to bring up. Glad you did. Uh, I mean, so, he was unmemorable, so I can see why he yeah. wouldn't think about it. But uh, he deserved to be mentioned, even if he was unmemorable. Yes. Okay, so now we move on to women's tag team action. <laughs> B. Priestley and Emi Sakura defeated Hikaru Shida and Chris Statlander nine and a half minutes via pin. Started a little slow. I thought it ended up good. Uh, Emi Sakura picked up a nice win. Uh, I thought B. Priestley looked better than she had in her previous performances. And I thought they gave a lot of shine to Chris Statlander, who is someone a lot of places are trying to sign these days. My issue with this match is it was good i like it it was enjoyable once again the the number one person loses i realize she didn't take a pinfall but now that's on her record that she has that loss um but my issue is why are these people teaming why are they fighting i had no reason to care about this match i the the women's division is it's a mess it's a complete mess right now um and and this this match was was a highlight of that of why why are they competing why why are they what's what's the purpose of this match there's no women's tag division so what's the purpose of this match the they had we don't know why they were teaming with each other i it was tough for me to get into despite them working hard but you're not allowed to say that, Jeremy, because they've only been on TV for nine weeks. Listen, I know it is only nine weeks, but the women's division has been something we've talked about, I kind of feel, since the summer when they were doing stuff. I mean, there are some bright spots. Obviously, Rio is really good. They've done some okay work with some people, but it's just, it's nowhere near consistent enough. And I think the point that, the best point you bring up is that. Why should anybody in the crowd have cared about it? And that's the problem, which is why they had to work really hard to get the crowd into it. And it was good, but, you know, it's like, you know, God bless Kenny and all, and I know this is his baby and he wants to do good things with it, but you need to do more than throw one segment on the show. You know, on Dark, they had a, a Big Swole Shauna match, and they actually gave like Shauna a uh, personality profile video package and they gave Big Swole an interview. Um, you know, fucking crazy, right? Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, but again, it's just, um, they need to do that more because as we've brought up, it's lovely that they do that on AEW Dark, but that not everybody that watches this show watches AEW Dark. Not everybody wants to invest a third hour so that they can understand what's going on in certain things. AEW Dark is designed for diehard fans and people like me that review all the shows. They're not. It's not designed for your casual fan. And obviously the casual fan likely doesn't really know about it because they almost never mention it on TV. 
So how do you even get them to watch the fucking show to make them understand some of this other stuff? Not that it's doing a lot for the women, but it's still, it's like, you, you can't count on people watching your YouTube show. You just can't. No, you can't count on people watching the YouTube show. Excalibur made a reference to to being the elite later on in the show. And okay, like th- this was my – I've talked about it before is you know, they want you to watch this and it's like, oh, you've got to watch this show. To make you to make it feel like you you're you're caught up and you're not missing anything. Like you've got to watch Being the Elite. You've got to watch Dark. You've got to watch the two hours of Dynamite. It's like okay, I you know people don't have time for that stuff. I watch it. You watch it. But a lot of people don't have time to watch that stuff. And obviously, your your biggest audience is coming on Dynamite. So put this stuff. On, on Dynamite. It's the same thing I yell at the WWE. Don't give me these WWE backstage.com exclusive. Like, put this stuff on television. These are good interviews. Put These are good ways to get personalities over. Put that on TV, not on YouTube and stuff. Uh, yeah, th- like this, they just threw these women out there with no reasoning and just to give them a segment. What, what's more is... You know, B Priestley gets her hair cut by Awesome Kong, and I don't think that was referenced once on this show during her match. It's like, Hey, last time we saw B Priestley, she lost to Britt Baker and then awesome Kong came out and, and took a lock of her hair. Fucking remember scouter. awesome Kong? Yeah. Like remember this? And it wasn't referenced once the, the women's division is, it, it, it's a mess. It, let's, let's call it. What is it? Well, let's call it what it is. It's not good. There, there's, there's no character build there. There's no reason to care about the, these women because we don't know half of them. And then they're just thrown out there in, in cold matches. Riho got over it. Like this, they did this with Riho, which is Riho, Riho got, got over, over in spite of the booking. Yes, exactly. Nyla Rose hasn't been seen on the main show since losing. Remember her? She, she challenged for the title. She was in the first ever women's title match. Hasn't been seen on dynamite since it's I, I or maybe she had a did she have a squash match on dynamite was that on last dark. week or she, or she had one on dark i thought it was recently on yeah I, I thought i knew she had one on dark for some reason i thought they may have thrown her one on dynamite but i, I, I can't I, remember the the women's division isn't good it, it's it's really not and it's unfortunate because they have talented women yep. and like but you know i hope they signed chris statlander i i hope the big swole is is a regular and everything you know kenny says wait until 2020 why why should we have to wait until 2020 you've had all this time to plan this show me something yeah it would be nice if they did so we got a quick john moxley promo talking about making his way to the top uh he's he's basically the baddest motherfucker wonder if somebody else is crazy enough to come after him and try to be a hero and if they do he promises he's going to hurt them so Final. I'm all for Johnny John Johnny Moxley uh, wishing or threatening death and threatening murder with napalm. That's right. So uh, then we had a quick squash match. Cody defeated uh, Matt Nix uh, in a minute and a half via submission. A fine little rebound squash for Cody, um, which you know good to see him back on the show. He tried to call out MJF after the match, and let me tell you, if you would have asked me about Axe debuting for AEW Wrestling. I would have lost if you would have told me the Butcher and the Blade from Beyond Wrestling and Smash Wrestling would be making an appearance on national TV. 
Never saw that coming. They arrived. They beat the shit out of Cody. And then from out underneath the ring, and talk about no character development, Dark Alley is a heel arrived and apparently is going to manage them. I guess Awesome Kong beating the shit out of her and cutting her hair sent her to the dark side, Jeremy. I I guess. I mean, it is very <laughs> weird to just see Allie out there and now she's she's a bunny with no explanation. Maybe they'll have an explanation. I, I'd assume they 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 put some type of thought into this, so maybe they will have an explanation. Hopefully they will have an explanation. Yeah, it's like the I, worst I, part of it's not like I hate it because like I do think she is a bit better as the dark character and but it's just like there was obviously no setup like awesome Kong beat shit out of her and cut her hair it would have been lovely like last week if there was a, they tried to interview her or something and she blew off the interviewer just give me something that's like she's on edge and yeah and or, then the or pr- wait until Easter to do this <laughs> And then um, I appreciate that we're debuting new talents, um, but even Chicago, which is a really smart wrestling town, did not really know who these guys were, and it came off really cold. Yeah, Chicago didn't know who they were. Jim Ross didn't know who they were. And when Excalibur attempted to explain, Ross would just cut him off anyway. And, and worst, Excalibur, I thought actually made this worse, is he's yelling like, that's the blade, that's the butcher. Like, we're supposed to know who the fuck these people are. Like, I, I don't know. Who is the blade? Who is the butcher? Like, who are these people? Excalibur's screaming at me that... You know, I'm supposed to actually know these people. That's the wall, brother. Like, okay, who the fuck are these guys? They're the butcher and the blade, for fuck's sake, Jeremy. Okay, <laughs> I, I know. Yes, I I, like yeah, I, 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 I know them from Beyond Wrestling. Like, I get that, but how many people are watching Beyond Wrestling? I, I think they're a great promotion, but truthfully, how many people are watching? Well, that, that judging, show. judging by the crowd reaction, I, I'm not trying to be a dick. Not many. Yeah. So just it, <laughs> it was very, very cold. And then Cody, I don't know if you saw <coughs> Cody was on Twitter afterwards and he used the 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 BBB, the Better Business Bureau. Uh, he used the 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 Conor McGregor. Who the fuck is that guy? Quote like even Cody doesn't know who the hell these people are. <laughs> uh, yeah. Where's Cody's friends? I, letting them get jumped for the second week in a row. I don't know, man. They, they, they were, they were. His friends were okay to save Dustin later, but not him. <laughs> yeah, Dustin was there. Where was his brother? His brother can't come out and help him. Listen, like, hey, beat, hey, 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 beat down. Listen, in Dustin's defense, he's an older gentleman. Maybe he was in the bathroom. Okay. Um. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. Just no. Seriously. Yeah. It's like. Yeah. You gotta <laughs> where wonder. The it's like. Where the hell were your friends? Because like. They were doing a really good job early on because um, it's like it was like, hey, the baby faces have friends. That's great. And all of a sudden, it's like this week, it's like, eh, well, we're in catering. There's some delicious Cracker Barrel here this week, and we're, we're kind of busy yeah. code. You know, with little biscuit and apple butter in the back. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was uh, – but, yeah, unfortunately, uh, it came off really cold. I'm all for them debuting new guys and trying to make stars that have never been on TV before, but going to be an uphill battle after the, the very cold debut here. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 
And again, maybe they have something. They they saved the Dark Order stuff in the last two weeks after a, a very cold debut. So maybe they can turn this around, but not not a great start. Next up, Kenny Omega defeated the Bastard Pack. 12 minutes via pin. Uh, first, I thought it was a very good match, but... I am not a fan of Kenny getting his win back already, and it kind of reinforces the thought that you and I talked about previously and beat into the ground probably that Pac shouldn't have lost to Page only to get his win back because had he not lost, Kenny finally beating him I think would have meant much more because Pac wouldn't have had that loss on his record. I'm sure we'll get a third match down the line. I'm sure it'll be really good again, maybe even great. But I, I wouldn't have given Kenny the win over Pac now. I would have waited a little bit. But I think they're kind of... I get the feeling that they're kind of panic booking with Kenny now because I th- they were trying to tell a story with him. They didn't tell it that well other than he's losing. And now they're like, oh, people are kind of upset because Kenny's losing and not doing anything cool. So... We better give him a win, which I didn't like. I think there was a lot more to do with Pac and should have came later on. And, you know, you if you were telling a better story, Kenny winning later would have played better. This has been I've said this many times. They're all over the place with with who Kenny Omega is. And this is when if you're going to tell me to watch being the elite. OK, Kenny Omega is a completely different guy on being the elite than he is on dynamite and, and and dark. So, you know, which Kenny Omega am I supposed to take here? Kenny Omega is he, it seems like he's just a different character every single week. And it's, it's not, it's tough to get into that. I like that he's showing some diversity, but at the same time, you got to give me, yeah, we'll see where it plays out, I guess. But it, right now, it's it's a little rough. And yeah, I, I spoke about it earlier. You beating Pack, um, I, I just I don't like it. Like, have some dominant guys up there at the top of the rankings. They, you know, guys don't have to. It doesn't have to be this 500 booking. Like Omega, you didn't have to do this match. There was no rhyme or reason for you to need to do this match. Could have given Pack a win over over somebody who who got like a, a win last week. I don't know. I can't remember two days ago, much less last week's show. Um, you, you know, you can get Omega a rebound win after the Moxley loss that didn't actually count. So it's you didn't need to do this match, and it felt. I don't know. It felt it was good, but at the same time, it was like, all right, we're just kind of putting this match on television because we're we want to just get Omega his win back. Like it didn't feel necessary. Yeah, and I, I wish they would have. I wish they would have given Kenny a match with somebody else because again, I thought there was more to do with Pack as well. But that goes back to just like, yeah, you can't tell people to watch being the elite because again, you're asking them to invest another twenty minutes. And you just can't, you know, hey, watch fucking YouTube, please. And like you said, Kenny showed a lot of diversity, which I do think is good. But while he's showing diversity, there's also, and we've talked about this, especially, there's just no consistency to his AEW character. So. Is he still mad at New Japan and Kota Ibushi for leaving him? And everybody's still gonna leave him. <laughs> Remember that fucking thing? Fuck a that played I before know. the match. Like, it's all over the place. 
it, it's all over the place for me. Uh, so they announced uh, officially announced Trent versus Phoenix for next week. We got inset promos from Adam Page and MJF, which led to the Dynamite Dozen Finals, where MJF defeated Adam Page in just under seven minutes via pin. Jeremy, this match did not feel important at all. It was too short to to be anything meaningful. MJF's crossroads, ooh. Just rough, really rough, really, really rough looking. And like, I mean, I get what they're going for. He's a dick. He stole the guy's finisher, but he did it so poorly that like, that's what people are going to remember. Not the fact that he's a dick and stole his finisher. And again, it it went seven minutes. It it made, it just made, it, it didn't feel important. I didn't feel like, oh, these guys are fighting over something that that's really important. This dynamite diamond ring is something you want to win. And as we saw in the follow up, it, it's already meaningless. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Talk about the follow up, and I'll give yeah. my thoughts on that. The mat, the match wasn't. Yeah, it, it wasn't good. The, it was solid. It was just kind of there. MJF winning is obviously the right call. He did come off like a slimy piece of shit, but yeah, the crossroads was really sloppy and just... Uh, DDP arrived to present the diamond ring after the match. Uh, they had some interaction. He congratulated MJF, offered him a handshake. MJF gave him the ring back. Wardlow bowed up the DDP. They were going to fight. Security arrived with refs to break it up, and it was just... It was there. As you said, it didn't make so... it feel important. No, because he gives the ring back. So you build up all of this. Like, MJF would have been... Okay, I guess it's a heel move to give the ring back. It's a bigger heel move to, like, rub this ring in anybody's in everybody's faces and just be a complete dick about it and be like, yeah, I beat... I, you know, I beat 11 other men to get this ring. Now, like, I'm rich. Like, I'm better than you. All the stuff he already does. Instead, it's just like... Eh, keep your stupid ring. Like I don't care about it. Like okay, th- that doesn't make you a heel. It just it just makes the ring feel not important. And you just spent two weeks trying to build this thing up. And then the the post match with um, them just getting to like a shoving contest. Like that doesn't make me feel like these guys are scary. Let me grab you and then security breaks you up. Like I just saw Wardlow beat up a bunch of dudes on the street for trying to come after his girlfriend or something. Why isn't he beating the shit out of these security guards and then laying out diamond Dallas page? The, I didn't, I didn't like anything about this segment. Yeah, it was, it was one of those things that kind of existed. Um, Dustin Rhodes came out for a promo. He was going to get revenge on Jake Hagar News Hagar's a changed man. The inner circle minus Hagar arrived at attack. They swarmed Dustin, beat the shit out of him. The young bucks made to save. The baby faces hit a triple shattered dreams. They stood tall, and that is going to set set up the young bucks and Dustin versus uh, Santana Ortiz and the Spanish God Sammy Guevara next week on the show. Yeah, it, it felt a little rushed, um, but it it made sense. It sets up something for next week it does again come to my point of where were these guys when cody was getting his ass kicked but 
you know, what can you do? I do like that, you know, because Cody did get his ass kicked, he wasn't there to help DDP and he wasn't there to help his brother. And so the, the young bucks had to come out and security had to come out. I do like that point. But again, where were these guys for Cody? Um, yeah, it, it, it was short and, but it, but it accomplished what it needed to accomplish. Let me throw this point out. Maybe we're underestimating the fact that MJF is right. And Cody is a dick and maybe nobody likes him. That's why he got his ass beat. Um, okay. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, it's just, no, I mean, I don't know why nobody came to help Cody. It's just like, all I could think of was like, maybe just nobody fucking likes him. Yeah, I, I can, I can buy this, the, this theory. Um, it, it's a long-term play that, you know, it doesn't seem truthful today, but may, maybe it is truthful. So I can buy this. So we got another Dark Order propaganda video slash infomercial. Yeah. I was going to say, I know Another good follow-up. Uh, another good follow-up. I like that. Yeah. They're good. Those are fun. And again, it's something they definitely needed to do, and it's hopefully it will help them. And that led to our main event of the evening, Jeremy. Le Champion Chris Jericho defeating Scorpio Sky 12-20 via submission to retain the AEW Championship. I thought they had a good main event. They created not nothing great, but fine drama down the stretch. Never really kicked into a super high gear. I thought it was good for a TV title defense. Uh, Jericho ends up winning. They they teased Hagar coming down to help. Uh, the, all the seconds were supposed to be banned from ringside, but SCU came out and took both of them, but they fought them off to the back. Uh, so that was good. We didn't get a bunch of bullshit. And, uh, you know, Sky got his chance to run wild. Uh, you know, he had a TKO and a bunch of things, uh, but, uh, in the end, he, uh, he did, he went for a, um, like, he basically went for, like, a run-up-the-ropes high cross, and he flew into a uh, code breaker, which looked really good. Uh, he was able to counter the Judas effect into a cradle, which got a good near fall, but Jericho ended up getting the walls of Jericho, Sky tapped, he is still a late champion, Jeremy, and then post-match, Jericho was attacking him again as... Big John Moxley arrived through the crowd. They had the long-distance stare-down, and looks like they're officially starting the tease for Moxley and Jericho. On the match, uh, I love Scorpio Sky. I think he's great. I thought he really got some good shine in this match, so I was I was happy to see that. Jericho, he is what he is at this point. It's not a knock. It's, it's, it's father time. He does well to to hide a lot of that stuff in, in these matches the, the best he can. But in these kind of short TV matches where, it, no offense, it is a television match. He's not going to get super, super up for it. Um, he, you know, he just he goes through the motions a little bit and he doesn't have a reason to kick it up. He can get by because he is Chris Jericho and, and that's what he did here. And Scorpio sky was able to uh, fill in a lot of gaps. So I thought Scorpio sky had a really good performance. Two complaints about this match. First, if you're going to say these people are banned from ringside, don't have them come out because, you know, we had three people come out and okay, they didn't directly interfere in this match, but they were supposed to be banned from ringside. I get if Hager comes out, then SCU can come out and attack them, but no one should be coming out. I hope, 
I hope this is followed up on. And tomorrow they announce, man, not tomorrow, it's Thanksgiving. Uh, Friday they announce, oh, Hagar, Daniels, and Kazarian have been fined or, or they've been suspended. I don't know what you're suspending them from. But, you know, they've been fined because it, they were supposed to be banned from ringside and they came out. If they do that, I'll be a little bit more forgivable for this. Bigger issue, where was the small package? We we talked about it last week that, you know, they're going to do this small package and it's going to be huge because he won the tag titles with a small package and he beat Jericho with the small package. So this is a spot that they've built as a finisher over important people. And, and when he does it, the crowd is going to be like, oh, he's got him in the small package. Like that, that should have been sold the entire match of, you know, oh, his small package, his small package. And they didn't do it. They, he did a backslide, which, okay, that's a that's a, a quick pin. But the small package is what you've been building to. And, and they didn't do it here. And I just – that is such an easy point to, to hit. And I, whoever put this together, I just don't understand how you missed that. Honestly, I think a lot of it kind of lands on Jericho because you know he has a lot of control in his match layout. And I'm all, I was honestly shocked that they didn't do it because you would think that that's like the big thing that Jericho would be like, we have to do this 11 minutes in, you know, we have to do this and get that pop. And, uh, yeah, you, you, you go back and you think about it. It's like, I just don't know why they didn't. I, maybe they just, for some reason they overlooked it. I don't know how you overlooked that, but I mean, they did. I mean, it's it's on Jericho. It's on all of them. Like Jericho should know. Scorpio Sky should know and be like, hey, I've used this twice. We, we've got to have this tease. The agent, whoever it is, Malenko, Anderson, Tony Khan, Cody, like whoever is back there and, and they, you know, they don't just they call some of it on the fly, I'm sure. But they they don't go out there. You know, they got to run through the match with somebody backstage, I would imagine, even if you're not like. If I'm anybody backstage, one of the agents or, or one of the executive vice presidents, I'm specifically saying like, hey, you got that small package spot in there, right? Like we've we've been teasing this for, for two weeks now. We, you know, we put this move over in two big main event matches. You got that spot in there, right? And like it shouldn't ju- it shouldn't be a question. It should just be in there. It's it might seem minor. But when you're AEW and you you talk up all the these points that oh we're gonna have consistency we're gonna have stuff that makes sense like the this is stuff that that stands out. Yeah, I I just you again you would like you said with everybody back there you would think somebody would have made sure it happened and I just I have no clue why it didn't. I, I, I like the I, the I Jericho the. Yeah, I, I like the Jericho Moxley stuff. Looking forward to that match. Moxley, I mean, these are your two two of your three biggest stars with, with Cody being the other one. So why wouldn't you put uh, two of your three biggest stars in, in the main event match? I hope. I don't know if they're going to wait all the way until the next pay-per-view, whenever that is. I would have... They haven't even announced it yet, so I would assume it's not until like February. Last um, I heard, it's February. Yeah, so the, and all that's that's gonna be a little ways away to 
to to do this match. But you know, I'm fine with a, a three month build on this match because make it make it feel special. But then you also run the risk of cooling it off a little bit because it, it feels big right now, and you you don't want it to to be cold by by the time you get to it. Yeah, we'll see how they build to that, but definitely kind of excited for that match because it's. I think there's a lot of potential there. So we will move on to NXT, Jeremy, and uh, we start NXT. off. NXT start off with Josiah Williams uh, hyping up the crowd and how NXT beat Raw and SmackDown Survivor Series. The uh, roster came up behind him. He did a little rap gimmick to the ring. Full sale. Um, Full Sail seemed very happy until Undisputed Era arrives. Adam Cole ran them all down for celebrating as if they actually accomplished something. Said the Undisputed Era was the only reason NXT was successful and that nobody around the ring did anything. Said they should be thanked for being their champions. They all they dominated all week as the Iron Men of the brand. Chiomp interrupted. Said they, they're strangely confident for a group of guys that got their asses kicked at War Games. War Games was the beginning of the end for the Undisputed Era. They're going to crumble, it's already started, and it's going to continue when Keith Lee and Dominic Dijakovic win the tag titles tonight. Uh, the war is over, so Daddy is coming for Goldie once again, which led to Finn Balor arriving. He walked past Undisputed Era and said he's going to stand in Ciampa's way of coming for the title. Ciampa wants everybody to watch because the Prince has just met his king. He challenged him for tonight, but Keith Lee said first that that match can go down later because it's tag title time. Jeremy, what did you think of the opening? I, I like the big like rap celebration that, that was cool for Josiah. He, he does a lot of work behind the scenes and stuff and seems really well liked by a lot of the guys. So I thought that was cool. I, you know, it worked because NXT does have that kind of underground cult vibe. So that them winning at Survivor Series, it's like, hey, let's throw this big celebration with, with full sale. It, you know, it that, that's you can't do that for Raw or SmackDown. You can't have Seth Rollins come out there and lead a rap party or, or Roman Reigns do all this. Like, but it works for for NXT. So I like that. Uh, the the stuff with Champa and and Lee and Dajakovic and um, the the undisputed era guys, all all of that was was great as well. So a a strong opening segment, I thought. Very good. We moved on to the tag team title match, which was our first match on the show. Undisputed Era retained the titles, defeating Lee and Dijakovic just over 20 minutes via pin. Uh, a couple things before we uh, get into like the match quality and stuff. Uh, Lee and Dijakovic largely ran wild early. Keith Lee press-slammed Bobby Fish to the floor onto Kyle O'Reilly, which led to, after a break, uh, Roderick Strong having to replace Bobby Fish. Um, the rumor was that they thought he got knocked loopy, so they took him backstage. They were fearing he had a concussion. So Roddy Strong tagged in. Um, obviously, Roddy's really good, so it did not hurt the match. The best part of this entire fucking match was they're going back and forth. Undisputed Era is making the comeback, and then Dijakova cuts them off with a double choke slam. Adam Cole decides, I'm going to come down to the ring and help my buddies out. And if you go to my review, there is a gif in there. It is one of the greatest gifts of all time. Because Adam Cole is running to the ring. He's jogging down the ramp. And as he jogs down the lamp, ramp, Keith Lee fucking pounces him into the ether. 
into the crowd. He's dead, Jim. It was fantastic. Uh, that led to Dijakovic. He was obviously amazed by this feat of destruction. And then Undisputed Era hit the high-low on him and pinned him. So, um, I thought it was a really good tag match. Uh, first of all, Roderick Strong is such a fucking pro. This dude joins in the match. He's working in his jeans and sneakers. Didn't miss a goddamn beat. Um, all four guys, honestly, should get a ton of, ton of credit because they had to adjust to that change. Again, Roddy's good, but he wasn't supposed to be in the match, so maybe he doesn't know everything that's laid out. But he didn't miss anything. Everybody did really well. Um, I think my only complaint about this is I get why they booked this coming out of War Games, but at the same time, it kind of feels like they already killed Lee and Dijakovic's momentum. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I thought this would have been a good time to put the titles on Lee and Dijakovic coming out of War Games. I understand again, why you don't do that, but in that case, don't book that match. Um, yeah, I, I didn't... It, it was a good match. It, it's tough to have a bad match with these four guys. It was clear that... Roderick Strong was not supposed to be in this match. I think his gear gave that away. But there were very obvious instances where Strong and O'Reilly were kind of uh, huddled up, whether on the floor or in the ring, clearly like trying to communicate with each other on what they were going to do. And, and it showed Roddy was Roddy was not you know peak Roderick Strong in this match, and that's not because he's not good. It's because he was literally thrown into the middle of it and had no idea what was, you know, supposed to happen, what the other guys had laid out. So he had to, he was a little off in that sense, but they still, they hit it well for the most part. They, and, you know, they still got through the match and it was, it was still a really good match. The Keith Lee pounce, that was all anybody was talking about on, on my timeline afterwards. And for good reason, it was it was fantastic. The the bump Adam Cole took on it. I, I guess, you know, I said, don't wrestle until 2020. He's like, okay, fine. I'm not going to wrestle, but I'm going to take this <laughs> fucking insane bump right here. It's just, oh my God. Yeah, that uh, great bump by Cole. Dajakovic being like, holy shit, and then losing. Even Keith Lee, he was like looking around like, wait, did I just murder this man on live television? Uh, yeah, th this was, I, I like the ending. It was, all right, Keith Lee could have maybe gotten in the ring and broken things up a little bit. Um, but overall, uh, this was the, the this was a, a good match and they, they made the most of it out of uh, Fish's unfortunate injury. And it sounds like he's okay, which is good because that dude is, has had some rough times in NXT and, you know, when he's healthy, he he's great. So, and you know, good on WWE NXT for taking the precautions of like, all right, we think he's a little loopy let's you know let, let's get him out of here instead of trying to you know get him to work through this match and, and really check on it. let's just get him out of here we can fortunately you know you can put roddy strong in there they also had adam cole they they had a replacement right then and there and even if, if roderick strong had to wrestle in his uh calvin Klein's. yeah it's a, it was a I, I did like the finish though because it it was a very like undisputed era got lucky in several ways finish because, like, they watched Adam Cole die. Bobby Fish got taken out. But they were able to rebound at the end. But, yeah, I just... I didn't like that they already kind of cut off Lee and Dijakovic. I was like... 
I really enjoyed the match, and I thought, again, everybody did really good considering the situation, because that could have ended up a disaster, you know? It could have fallen apart really quick, but everybody in that match was really good, and just uh, hope Bobby Fish is okay. He's a... You know, Bobby Fish isn't getting any younger, and my man's been dinged up a lot in the last year, so hopefully he is okay. Yeah, uh, agreed. Yeah. Uh, they followed up a video of Dakota Kai's attack on Tegan Knox at TakeOver. Kathy Kelly interviewed Candice LeRae about it. She said Dakota is um, all she's heard about since TakeOver. She she was a friend to both her and uh, Tegan, but she's appalled at what Dakota did and can't believe that she did it. Tonight, Dakota isn't going to be facing her friend. She's going to be facing Tegan's pissed-off big sister. So that was the setup for Tegan or for um, Dakota Kai and Candice LeRae later tonight. Got a video. The, the one ahead. thing, the one thing I I didn't. When did Candice and Tegan become sisters? Well, they tried later on during the match to talk about it on commentary about how all three of them like always hang out and ride together, but maybe a video package before the interview would have done that a little better. Yeah, it's just, I, I don't know when they, they became sisters, so very, very strange to me. Well, maybe you should go to Orlando and investigate and do the legend of the trio of the friendship, like you did Soul Train Jones. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so, no, I don't know, man. It's just, uh, like I said, they tried to explain it later, but again, a video package before the interview probably would have done a better job. <laughs> So we got a video of Angel Garza disrobing in front of Leo Rush's family two weeks ago. Uh, takeover, Leo attacked Garza after his match to get a little revenge. And they announced uh, Leo's match versus Akira Tozawa tonight. We headed to the ring and we got Mansoor defeating Shane Thorne at three minutes. I thought it was a nice little win for Mansoor. And honestly, it's nice to see they haven't forgotten him after the Saudi show. Yeah, definitely. I like that they followed up because I, I don't know if it was a missed opportunity. It was just a weird thing when he won that big battle royal earlier this year and then was never on television. So it's like, no, no, no. The worst part right. was is when after he won the battle royal thing, he appeared on NXT once and NXT NXT UK once and did like three minute jobs. Right. So right. it's like they so, absolutely failed after that first one. Yeah, so it's like, okay, you're just giving these guys wins because this guy a win because it's Saudi. And, like, we saw that, but, you know, don't try not to be so blatant about it. Like, the guy just beat Cesaro. He, you know, that was a singles match. He should be on television, and he should be winning matches. Like, I think, you know, he just beat Cesaro. Make that matter. Um, you know what I mean? So exactly. it, I, I'm glad, I'm glad he was on television here. I'm glad he got the win. I, I think he wrestled like Brian Kendrick the other week as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I like that they're seemingly trying to do something with him cause I, I like Mansoor. I know there's some, some type of heat on him for past online stuff, but he's a, a video game streaming guy and he shows a lot of char- charisma in those video game streams and he comes off really well. Yeah, he shows a lot of potential too. Because even in his um, like enhancement matches, I thought he showed potential. And then obviously, the the match with Cesaro was easily the best thing on that bad Saudi show. And I'm sorry, you people cannot yeah. convince me that that show was any fucking good because it wasn't. But he was the best thing <laughs> on that show, and it's 
you know, Cesaro can carry anybody to a good match, but they had a really good match. And again, Mansoor showed a lot there. And again, he looked, this was a short match. He looked good here. Again, nice win. Another win for him. And I'm glad he's not being forgotten. Because you can do something with this guy. You don't have to push him to the top or anything, but you can do things with him. He can become a viable part of the TV show. So that was good. Uh, Dakota Kai arrived for her match carrying Tegan Knox's knee brace with her. Because she's evil now and she has new evil themed music. Awesome. Well. Yeah, I like that she was carrying that around like a trophy. That's good. Uh, so Candace and her had a match, 12 and a half minutes. Candace won it via disqualification after 12 and a half minutes when she was going for a dive and Dakota was in desperation and hit her with the knee brace for, for the disqualification. Um, post-match, uh, she beat the shit out of Candace. Rhea ended up making the save. Um, first of all, good fallout coming out of War Games because... You need to follow up on that heel turn, and obviously you can't go right to her and Tegan in week one because, number one, Tegan is supposed to be injured. Number two, you have to build to that match. Number three, it makes sense for Dakota Kai to have to face off with Candice LeRae and then Mia Yim, who she likely took out and stuff like that first. I enjoyed the match. I thought it was good. I thought Dakota did really well in her first match as a heel. I thought she showed some good character layers and depth there. Did not mind the DQ in this instance because you're trying to protect Candace and not kill all of her momentum coming out of War Games. And obviously Dakota is not going to be losing her first match as a heel. And it gives her a little bit of edge because she's basically a bitch that snapped and she doesn't care anymore. Yeah, uh, I, I liked everything about this honestly the the match with the work was good until the dq finish and you know you can get away with the dq finish here people will complain of oh why'd you book this match so quickly like you can't just have dakota kai come out here and, and wrestle tanara conti or or something like you know okay sure that gets her a, a heel victory and a win but the these baby faces should be fucking pissed off like like candace should be mad mia obviously she can't like she's not wrestling. Uh, Tegan's not wrestling. Like, why wouldn't Candace be super pissed off at, at Dakota for doing this turn and, and want to immediately wrestle her? So I I think it worked in that sense. And this was this was a good piece of business. The NXT Women's Division is is strong, and the biggest star on the show uh, came out after this. So uh, we got Kevin Kelly or Kathy Kelly, sorry, interviewing. T- I was looking at a New Japan thing, sorry. Uh, Kathy Kelly interviewing Tommaso Ciampa about his match with Balor, puts over Bal- Balor's success in NXT, but says that he is the one who made NXT into the A show and also made Goldie into the top championship in the industry. So good little promo by Ciampa, short and sweet. Got a Cameron Grimes video package. And then we got a video package. The goat, Cameron Guy, Grimes. There you go. Um, we got a video package of Rhea Ripley's last week, uh, which, as we talked about after Survivor Series, really cemented her with a star with the win over Charlotte, the win over um, the win at War Games, and the win at Survivor Series. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, next up, Cruiserweight Champion Leo Rush defeating Akira Tsawa 13 minutes. Jeremy via pin. Your thoughts? Great match. Um, re- really strong match. Uh, th- these two have 
strong chemistry together. Everything they they do looks really crisp. Um, some some of the spots like the the double big boot spot. I guess the the double kick spot, whatever you want to call it, I, like that was awesome. The the German suplex spot, there was just so much good stuff in, in this match. And Leo Rush winning, not a surprise, but yeah, Akira Tozawa can come back. I guess I thought the brand stuff was over, but then you got a raw guy. Um, I saw somebody suggest that. You know, maybe it's just because the cruiserweight title is on NXT. Like, if you're under 205, you can just go to NXT and challenge them. It doesn't matter for your brand, and I'm cool with that. Just mention that on television. Yeah, it'd be nice if they did. Uh, I I liked the match; thought it was really good. Uh, Leah retaining, like you said, not a surprise. And Tazawa um, gets to show that he's really good still when he's actually given the chance to prove it. Like him a lot. Yeah. Uh, Zia Lee starched Vanessa Bourne in a minute and five seconds with a head kick. Uh, Vanessa Bourne was going yeah, for, she re- yeah, she was going for revenge for Aaliyah and she failed spectacularly. This led to a big post-match angle where Shayna and her flunkies came out. Uh, Zia Lee tried to fight him off. She got beat down, which led to Rhea Ripley coming out. Uh, Shayna was putting over how she beat Becky Lynch and Bailey and all that stuff. Uh, Rhea Ripley basically uh, congratulated her on winning at Survivor Series, but said she beat Shane in War Games. She'll do it again for the title, and uh, she wanted to fight right then and there. But uh, Rhea or Shayna wanted no part of that, so she basically bailed. She politely declined her offer. We'll say a lot of a lot of good business here. Um, first, Shayna and the Horsewoman just coming out and beating up. Uh, the the other two just being like, yep, we're still the baddest bitches around. Like, all right, I lost, but I also I lost at War Games, but I also beat Bailey and, and Becky Lynch, so like I'm still the the queen around here. Just re, she doesn't need to be reestablished, but but just showing like she's still the bully and, and the badass, and so I like that. And then you know, Rhea Ripley comes out though, and it's like oh, this is the person that beat me. And then so Rhea Ripley now comes off as a bat and she's over. She, again, she's the, I think she's the top star in NXT right now with the reaction she's getting. She is over and she comes off so well. She carries herself so well. This promo was great. I cannot wait for this match. I hope, I know the next takeover is until like mid-February. I don't think they can wait that long on this match. I really don't. It is, it is red hot right now. You, you do this title change at full sale. It, it comes off huge because you know, Ripley's getting that big pop. I, I just don't think they can wait until February to do this title change. Yeah. There, there's a big part of me that it's like, I, I kind of want the, the title change to happen on takeover. Cause I want it to, I want it to on the surface look like a big deal. But as you said, it feels really, really hot now, and I do think that Full sale, even though obviously it's not a huge arena, I do think that the reaction would more than wait, uh, make up for the lack of size and that it would come off really big. And it's just, you're asking for a lot to have people wait through December and January and into February. We're talking like 10, almost 11 weeks. And I, I just, I don't know if they can keep it up for 11 weeks to make it matter as much as they can, like it would in a couple weeks. So I kind of, I, I agree with you. I think they kind of need to pull the trigger sooner rather than later. 
get the big moment and um probably Shayna moves on to uh feud with Becky eventually. But yeah, I, I think you need to do it because I just I don't think that they're gonna I don't wanna say it's lack of fan patience. I have a lack of faith in that they can keep it hot for another eleven or so weeks. Yeah, that that's the biggest issue is it is so hot right now and you can only do so much in those 11 weeks. You know what I mean? Like you, you can't just keep doing the like tag team matches where they face each other. You can't just keep doing video promos and stuff, promos against each other. Like you run out of things to say after 11 weeks. Um, you, you can just only do so much in, in that amount of time. And you know, that's why you don't see a lot of even throughout history, like, okay, there are long-term storylines in history, but you don't see these long-term storylines that, that lead to, you know, especially when something is this hot, um, you know, people will point at like Hogan and sting, but that's because sting literally sat in the rafters for an entire year. You're not doing that with, with Rhea Ripley. Like what other kind of like long-term stuff where two, two people were 1 million percent engaged with each other for 11 weeks. Like, all right, you can, you can say like, um, Austin and Rock leading up to WrestleMania 15, like that's a long-term story that they they finally played off there. But those two weren't engaged with each other until February, after you know, kind of. Um, I, I guess Austin won the Rumble, but then he was still feuding with McMahon, and then he turned into the feud with the Rock and stuff. So it, it's tough to build a match for 11 weeks where you you're gonna have that they've had this engagement for a while and now this entire time do it it you're right that it'll seem like a bigger deal in uh at takeover with the bigger building i think one thing that does help one it will certainly be the pop two will be like it's on usa network now it's not on wwe network like it it Anything NXT does automatically kind of feels like a bigger deal because of the platform they have now. Yeah. And again, like I said, it's like on the surface, I would want to wait to take over, but it's just, it's too long away. And I just, I think NXT does a lot of things right, but at the end of the day, it's still WWE. And I just, I really fear that they cannot hold off that build for 11 weeks. And, and still have it no, come it's, off as hot. Again, I don't even think it's a WWE thing. I think it's just almost a just a nowadays thing where it's tough to like the the build. You can look at like the build for for Becky Lynch and, and Ronda Rousey. Okay, it started maybe at Survivor Series and then it ended at WrestleMania, but they weren't in each other's faces for those entire eleven weeks. You know, they did Survivor Series. Becky got hurt. They go to T like they're away from each other at TLC until Ronda runs in. They're away from each other at Royal Rumble because Ronda's feuding with Sasha and Becky wins the Rumble. And then from the the Rumble on until WrestleMania, okay, then they're engaged with each other. But the counter to that is look at the build to that after the however long they had. You can only do so much with each other in that many weeks when you're 100% engaged like that. So yeah, I, okay. Maybe it's a WWE thing. I just think it's a, it's just a lack of ideas, like just in overall type thing. It's just really tough to pull off unless you're not doing promos. Like if, if you just have someone stand there the entire time and they just never touch each other, but that's already been 
we've already seen it. Like they, they, they've wrestled each other. They, they've, they're talking to each other. So it, it's just tough to do. See, I'm afraid that it's going to get WWE eyes to where they end up doing like three random tag matches and like a random four way along the way. So that by the time you get to take over, I'm fucking bored of it. You know, I just, yeah, I, I don't want to see is... any bullshit like that. Right, and this is the certain – like that's the problem is you can only do so much. Like you got to do these tag team matches. You got to do these promos, and you can only say so much in 11 weeks that you haven't said before. You keep throwing them in these tag matches. It, it just – it's tough to do. So yeah, it's it's a, it's a, it's too long. I don't think they can do it, and so they don't need to. Just put the belt on Rhea next week. Honestly, if they put the belt on Rhea next week, like – Who's complaining? So you kind of mentioned that Rhea feels like the biggest star in NXT right now, and I think that's kind of hard to argue because she really does. I mean, she comes out. She almost doesn't have to do anything but stand there, and this crowd fucking loves her. She's coming off of that great week, again, where she pinned Charlotte. She won War Games. She won a Survivor Series. She feels like a big star. I think another story being lost in the rise of Rhea Ripley is the fact that for the longest time it felt like Tony Storm was going to be their next big women's star. She had a great background, she had a ton of work in, you know, the UK and Japan and everything. Gets signed, wins the May Young Classic, wins the NXT UK Women's title, and then she's just like she lost the title and she's been working like more non-NXT UK dates than NXT UK dates. And yeah, they brought her in for Survivor Series, but she didn't really do much. And it just feels like, I don't know if WWE soured on her or what it is, but for whatever reason, Tony Storm has really kind of dropped off for whatever reason. And Rhea Ripley at age 23 has just rocketed past her, which is something I don't think a lot of people saw coming at all. No, no, I, I like I didn't see Rhea Ripley like when she came out to even confront Shayna Baszler all those months ago. It was like, OK, Rhea Ripley's nice. Like she she'd always been kind of a heel. So it's like, all right, why is she coming out here and confronting Baszler? Like, aren't they both kind of heels? So it was weird. And then, you know, a month she she what she came out the like the NXT right before they went on USA Network. So two and a half months later uh, to two months later, she's like she is the the biggest thing in NXT in in two months, two months. She came she two and a half months ago. She came out and confronted Baszler for the first time. And two and a half months later, it's like, yeah, like this is like this is the top person in this promotion. Certainly the top female like. She's getting the, these huge reactions. All right, if you want to argue, Champa, like Adam Cole is still there, Finn Balor, even, but like re, even they're not getting the reaction Rhea Ripley got tonight. Uh, yes, yeah, so I'm. She's just. I I love the fact that she's grown so much as a performer, and it's really cool to see. I love watching people grow into stars. You know what I mean? It's just it's such a cool thing to see, and again, it's very unexpected. Uh, and to, to, to further back up your point that they need to do the title change sooner rather than later, I just think you need to follow up that momentum from Survivor Series weekend because she came out of that weekend as a star. 
She was well on her way to becoming one, but that weekend solidified it. And yeah, just the crowd reaction she gets in full sale, you need to do it. So uh, hopefully, I think they will soon, Jeremy. We'll see how soon, though. But I definitely want to see it. So we will move... Next week. Hey, you know. Uh, actually, no. They need to actually have announced it at least a week ahead of time, please. Which is going to be a criticism I have here in a moment. Main event, Finn Balor defeating Tommaso Ciampa in 11 and a half minutes via pin. Let me get this out of the way. This is a match I would not have run this week. They did not announce it ahead of time. They did not give it any build. It's a first-time match. You add that all together, I think that's a horrible mistake. This is a match that you need to give some build to. I mean, in theory, you're trying to make people watch your wrestling show. So if you went out, you do the angle at the beginning of the show, they have a pull apart, whatever, and then William Regal announces it. At the very least, next week, if not in two weeks, they're going to face. So you can build it up. That's what I would have done. So I think it was a mistake running it tonight. I did think the match was good. Um, You know, Cole ends up costing Ciampa at the end. And it feels like they're going to work that slow burn to Cole and Ciampa at Mania Weekend, which I don't have a problem with. Balor's still at the beginning of his heel run. But I wouldn't have ran the match this week. That just felt like a big mistake to me. Your thoughts, sir? I'm with you um, because this did feel like it should be a big match. You know, it's it's two of your three biggest male stars in at least healthy um, going going against each other in the main event with, you know, two hours build, not even two hours build. So it's it was a, a short time to do it, but I guess they felt they, they needed to capitalize. And so. They did, but they certainly could have held off and 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 gotten a little bit more build to this. Uh, so I, I I'm with you on that. Yeah, I just I, I wish they would have you know give it at least a week, man, because you're you as you said these are two of their bigger male stars, and it's just it felt like it deserved more than the hour and a half build it got. Uh, so post match, uh, Adam Cole stands next to Balor in the ring. He does his little undisputed era pose. Balor does his little finger guns, and then Adam Cole pats him on the back like they're buddies. But Finn Balor hit that fucking assassin-like Pele kick to his face, and uh, he was like, not today, buddy. So that was our big show closing angle. Um, On the match, I, I enjoyed it. it. It was too short, and, uh, you know, I guess if you're going to have very little build for it, you may as well make it kind of short and just make that make it like oh yeah we know these guys can do more and and just wait they're gonna we will build this and we will give you a bigger match so that that's why i'll excuse the short build a little bit because they didn't give away like much of anything really i like the finish as well because the referee screwed up and, and you know balor just hey the belt just happened to be in the ring and then Bal- uh, Champa got planted on it by Balor. It wasn't Balor's fault. The the referee uh, screwed up and left it in the ring. So I like that little touch. Champa doesn't lose anything by losing, especially with that finish. And then the the post match angle was, was great because we all knew Finn Balor wasn't aligned with Undisputed Era. At least we had an inkling because um, he you know he never 
he never like did the symbol or anything. He always pointed the guns and he was kept his distance and stuff. But Adam Cole, who is just so self-absorbed and just thinks like everyone loves him and and he's the the best thing running today. Of course, he thinks like, yeah, he's giving me the guns like Bullet Club. Like, of course, he wants to join our group and hang out with us and stuff. And and Finn kicks him in the fucking head. And I thought Adam Cole's sell of this was great as well. Um, So, yeah, I this was a good match. That that let, still left some meat on the bone, which a, a little bit of a complaint there. And then the post match angle made a lot of sense and predictable. Maybe I don't care if it's predictable if it makes if it still makes sense and, and it comes off strong. Same with like the the Dakota Kai heel turn was it predictable? Sure, the crowd loved it and, and it made sense. So same thing here. Predictable is okay if it makes sense and it comes off well. I mean, predictable is not good when it looks like shit. And nobody cares. Pretty, it's a pretty simple formula, you know. But yeah, I didn't, I don't think predictable is bad, especially like you said, going back to that Dakota Kai heel turn. I knew it was coming at some point. I was waiting for her to maybe get in the cage. I was, I was joking with somebody, somebody DM'd me. I was joking that she was going to go into the cage and run wild and do the sting thing and leave and bail on them all. And, uh, you know, but I mean, she didn't even do that. She was like, fuck you guys. I'm just going to beat the shit out of my best friend and leave. So yeah, that came off great. So again, predictable, not always a bad thing as long as you do it well. Uh, so no, yeah. If you try to do unpredictable shit all the time, that's when you get Vince Russo when it's like, oh, let's just have shit to happen for the sake of happening. Like if it's predictable and it makes sense like this did, I, I don't think it's bad at all. No, neither do I. Because I mean, I, I know that people want to do unpredictable because they want to do the ah, gotcha thing. But it doesn't make it good. Just because you got people, you know? It's like, I don't know. So anyway, Jeremy, that is going to lead us to the head-to-head comparison for the week. I will go first if you don't mind. Uh, AEW Dark overall I thought was a good show. But at the same time, I felt it was missing something compared to the uh, the recent weeks. There was good wrestling. They, they're still doing a better job of trying to get promos and video packages in. But not all of it landed smoothly with me. It flew by, I think, was the best thing I can say about the show. It never feels long. Never feels like a drag. Obviously, as we talked about earlier, there's still work to be done on things like the women women's division. It was good, but at the same time, kind of flat and... It feels weird using the word, but I think the worst show they've done so far, even though I thought it was good. Um, NXT. Yeah, I, I, oh, I just going to run me over there. <laughs> uh, no, I'm NXT. I know. Fucking truck me. Jesus, Jeremy. Um, no, NXT, <laughs> I thought was uh, very good with a lot of good wrestling, good fallout from war games. They're setting things in motion coming out of the event. Again, not a perfect show, though, because I think that they stifled the momentum of Lee and Dijakovic, and I really would have advertised Ciampa and Balor for at least next week at the very least. But again, they're setting some good things in motion, and Rhea Ripley is coming off like a huge fucking star. So my overall this week, I will go with NXT. I I have to go with NXT as well. Um... 
I'm with you on on Dynamite, where it wasn't a bad show. It, it was certainly a, a good show, but it did feel like the weakest show they have done so far. And, and that says a lot about what they've done so far, that you know, a, a good show is feeling like their weakest. I think one issue, aside from the issues I brought up during the review, one kind of overall issue with things is, I don't know if the, the, the miking was bad, but it certainly seemed off all night and and that was a problem and on top of that this crowd did not feel hot and and that has really helped a lot of AEW shows is the crowd just treats everything like it's the the biggest thing in the world and so even if it's not like great because of the crowd like it, it feels amazing and this crowd just wasn't there. And I, I don't know the reason for it. My my speculation is one, I don't think it was mic'd well. So I don't maybe they may have been into it in the arena, but we it just didn't come across on television. The, my biggest thing is my bigger thing is that like this was the fifth show in six days for Chicago. I people can say there's not, you know, WWE and AEW crossover. Look, I, I'm willing to bet that the majority of the fans who went to this show went to at least one of the WWE events because, you know, by the end of it, they may have gotten a cheap price or something. Like, it's still like uh, the war games, like, uh, I'm sure that was well attended. Survivor Series with NXT was probably, you know, well attended. Like, I'm sure a lot of these fans went to at least one WWE show. And even if they didn't, there's just the the town fatigue of there's just been a lot of wrestling in this town. And even if you're not going to all of these shows, you're just burnt out by like how much of it there has just been in the town. So by the time you get there, it's like, yeah, shit, like I just watched all of these shows in my own town or I just heard about all of these shows. Now I'm here. It's just a lot. And you know, Chicago's always been a good market for really any wrestling company, but the the sixth or the fifth major show in six nights, it, it's a lot to deal with. And even though Chicago's been good to AEW in the past, those have been you know special big attraction events. This was just a Wednesday Dynamite, l- literally the day before Thanksgiving. So people may have also been traveling like away from Chicago instead of to Chicago as a destination, uh, like like has been in the past. So I do think the crowd hurt Dynamite for the first time ever, where typically the crowd always boosts the show. Yeah, I think that's definitely fair. And I would, I know people always like to do that there's not a lot of crossover, blah, blah, blah. But like you said, Chicago is a big wrestling town. Uh, they usually draw well for everybody. And I would venture to say a lot of people that would go to Dynamite are really hardcore fans, were at least at NXT, likely at Survivor Series or Raw, you know. So, I mean, yeah, I could definitely see some fatigue being an issue there and chicago's got a lot of shows this year i mean bound for glory was there too and just all the other places that run there and all that so i um yeah i um mlw's pay-per-view was in chicago too wasn't it yeah and and they had all out which was only two months ago like they like they've had a lot chicago's had a lot of shows in the last two months and again this was just a dynamite tv show it was not a destination show like all in and all out 
where you know other fans were traveling to this show because it's like oh there's a star cast convention it's a major pay-per-view blah 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 like it, it wasn't that it was just a, a wednesday show at, at not only the end of um you know at the end of a two-month span where it's like oh it's a lot of shows wwe just ran four shows in four nights in the town and then two nights later like you're coming to the town so it's it's a lot to ask for uh for these fans it was i understand why they want to do chicago every year this is apparently going to be a tradition that's fine uh i don't think wwe is going to be running four nights there next year hopefully it'll come across better for them next year and i don't think thanksgiving can can be ignored you know it's a it's a big holiday in the u.s uh, people argue it's a it's the second biggest holiday be behind christmas so people were possibly traveling out of town people possibly had uh you know friends and, and family there and you know so you're not gonna get maybe like the the rowdier wrestling fans that you would typically get um just because they weren't there or they they're burnt out because it's the holidays like holidays are stressful um it, it could be it's cold outside it's raining outside i, I realize we're it seems like we're trying to make excuses for why the crowd is down but there are a lot of red flags there of proof of like hey yeah we can understand why the crowd was a little bit quieter for this show yeah and like i said too it's like and that's part of it too it's just that that show felt like it was just missing something and um, so, I mean, obviously, can't all be home runs. I mean, what, what are you going to do? I mean, it is what it is. Again, it was far from bad. I thought it was good, but it was like low-level good. I didn't hate anything. There wasn't stuff on there. It was flat-out horrible. Again, there are issues, which we broke down. Not perfect, but we'll see what happens going forward. Uh, again, still a, a young company that still has to improve many things, um, despite the fact that they are doing a lot of good stuff. So that is going to wrap us up. You're going NXT too. You said tonight for the overall. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Definitely, definitely NXT. I think this was honestly like the, and I'm not saying this was like a big stretch that NXT was better, but I think this was the closest of where I, I was just 100% confidence. Like definitely NXT, and it's not like eh, it's close. You know, both are really, really good. Both were really good, but I, I feel very confident in saying NXT was the better show this week. Uh, so Jeremy ratings, what are you thinking? It is the night before Thanksgiving. The interesting, hang on. The interesting thing to consider is that we talked last week of would NXT possibly get a pay-per-view bump because they had war games. They were going to be on survivor series and they they did walk out the big winners from the weekend, but raw did not get that traditional big post pay-per-view bump. Yeah, because Raw sucked at Survivor Series. And then the opening segment, Seth Rollins told everybody they sucked. So why would people tune in? But uh, do you think AEW goes back and wins the week? And do you think NXT will see a significant drop after the pay-per-view? Or will they be very close? I, I, I was... I'm really torn on this because part of me thinks that NXT was going to get that big boost, but the raw number kind of made me be like, eh, maybe not. I still feel like, you know, leading up to today, AEW felt like the hotter show compared to NXT. And I feel that a lot of weeks, though. And I mean, every week except for last week, it was, you know, AEW had won. And even last week was really close. Um so AEW still felt like the hotter show 
um, in, in the lead up on Wednesday morning and afternoon. Um, yeah, I mean, NXT was presented strong and I think the best case scenario for NXT is if they do lose, it's still close and they, you know, they show improve because the last time, you know, it was close when they had the WWE boost, uh, the, the Raw and SmackDown boost, I should say. And then the next week, like they, they lost by 200,000 again w- without that boost. And it's like, oh, OK, well, that didn't really do too much. And then last week they won with the Raw and SmackDown boost. And so this week you would hope like even if you don't win, you're only losing by like 50,000 or so because that would show like, all right. We didn't win, but, you know, people are still hanging in there, catching on, seeing what's out there or seeing what's up with the show. And, and we can build off of this because NXT is clearly building a lot of stuff. And, I, you know, that's yeah. they're, they're sticking to a long term plan, seemingly. And, um, you know, that that's a, a good sign. So I think that would be best case scenario for NXT. Win, I mean, winning is best case scenario, but a, a good scenario for them would be losing by like 50,000 or so. I, I I will I will say AEW wins in, in the viewership this week though. Yeah, I think AEW probably comes back and wins this week. I'm more interested to see how much of that audience from last week NXT retains. Like kind of like what we just spoke about and you talked about. If they see another big drop after they won, then it's like yeah, they won that one week because Hunter said, "Hey guys, come watch NXT. Real stars are going to be there." That's how it's going to come off. Hopefully, even if they lose, and they may not, they may win. Who the fuck knows? But the thing is, I'm going to be interested to see if they can retain that high number or close to that number last week. Because if they do, that's going to be the biggest boost in confidence they can get because normally they track back down rather quickly. Um, so I just, I, I'm more interested in the overall retention and uh, I, also how much thanksgiving eve so to speak hurts both shows yeah the thanksgiving stuff will be telling as well because and friends and family might be in town some people might be traveling and you're just it's it's a it's a tough day um because i feel like almost like christmas eve shows are hurt worse than like christmas shows because by the time the christmas show rolls around you're like yeah i spent all day with my family i might as well watch this wrestling show but the eve show is like okay family's in town i have to spend this time with them so yeah i i I do think that'll play a part i think both numbers are actually going to be down um because last week was a strong week for for both shows i think both numbers are going to be down probably so that is going to wrap us up for tonight before we go want to wish everybody that's celebrating it a happy Thanksgiving. And also, before we go, I want to let everybody know, the show will be back on Saturday. Jeremy is out of town this weekend. Jeremy, tell everybody where you're going. Going to WrestleCade to interview Tessa Blanchard. Yeah, next Impact World Champion. I'll be talking with her and a bunch of other Impact and uh, NWA stars are going to be there. A lot of legends are going to be there. They're doing some wrestling shows. going to be a fun weekend at WrestleCade. Tune in next Thursday where Jeremy will drop a bucket full of names for you all to pick up. I so. will. That is correct. I'm going to be like going to be like uh, the Harlem Globetrotters where it's on bucket and it's, you know, you fake it out with water. But instead of water, it's all the pieces of paper with names that I have on it. Fair enough. But I'm going to be back Saturday and I got a special show for everybody on Saturday. 
I'll let you know what's going on now. Steve Cook is going to be coming back to the show. We are going to be talking about season two of Wow Women of Wrestling. Former 411 writer Jerome Cusson joined me. I've already recorded with him. We're going to do a deep dive onto the institutional breakdown and loss of overall perception and quality of, in Ring of Honor in 2019. And then the big guest, someone I'm excited to talk about, the Cubs fan, the man that runs the Lucha blog, is going to join me. He wanted to talk some ROH. We're going to talk some Lucha, get into his background and all kind of stuff. I've been a big fan of Cubs fan for a long time. He is my go-to guy when I have to dig into Lucha and do previews for stuff like Fantastica Mania and like the Global Wars and Spectacular stuff. He is a... He is pretty much the walking encyclopedia for Lucha. So that is going to be up Saturday. I hope everybody enjoys it and takes time to listen. So until next time, this was the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, all major podcasting outlets, and of course the 411mania.com website. Please make sure to subscribe to the show, share us around on social media, and if you have time, leave us a five-star review on iTunes and all of your other platforms you listen to the show on. We would greatly appreciate it. Have a good week, everybody.